0: Netcasts you love
1: from people you trust.
0: This, this is Twitch. Bandwidth for the tech guy is provided by Cashfly. C A C H E F L Y.com Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the premier radio networks, including 150 of the best stations in the U.S. and Canada and XM Channel 166 on Sunday, May 29th, 2011. This is episode 774. Enjoy. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, and it's time to talk tech, yes, tech, with you right now. And uh, when I say tech, I mean anything with a chip in it. I mean, of course, computers and the internet, but also cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, Uh, you know, cell phones. Here's my phone number, uh, 8888-ASK-LEO, 8888-ASK-LEO, or... Uh, I think that translates in uh into uh, eighty eight. Let's see, eighty-eight. <laughs> 888, 88 never mind. <laughs> Let me just tell you, go to the webpage, techguylabs.com. We've got it written out there. TechGuylabs.com. That's also where you'll find show notes for this show and all 773 previous episodes. Yes, this is 774 in a continuing saga. Trying to solve the world's technology issues one computer at a time. TechGuyLabs.com Uh, lots of interesting tech news. Skype. This is nice. This is really nice. Skype. It turns out has been installing junk on our systems without asking. Uh, I I would presume this is the latest Skype. It installs something called Easy Bits Go. Doesn't inform you or ask. You for permission. Uh, this uh, comes from an article in the uh, blogtechnical.com. Bradley Wint writing says: This morning I was notified that Skype need third party x ex- access to an executable called EasyBits Go. I didn't install that, so he did a virus scan, thinking maybe there was malware. Turns out the program's legit and was installed by Skype. EasyBits produces uh, some game apps. And uh, HP, Dell, Acer, and Skype, among others, uh, put the easy bits, may I say junkware, on your system. It's essentially uh, a paid ad. A lot of companies do this. You know, when you get these days, when you get an HP, uh, a Dell, unless you specifically say you don't want it, an Acer, other computers, you'll get a lot of uh, trialware on your system. Junkware. I, there's a worse word for it. I don't want to use it on the on a family show like this. You know what I'm talking about. Ah, uh, and I guess this is this must be the newest Skype for Windows. I'm I use Skype mostly on Macintoshes. Haven't seen this. Uh how do you get rid of it? <laughs> well, you have to go to Skype Options, Advanced, Advanced Settings, Manage Other Programs, Access to Skype, and remove the EasyBits Go program after you disable it via the install, uninstall panel and your control panel, and then you have to exit Skype and then temporarily disable Skype from starting automatically, then restart your It goes on and on and on, including a registry hack. Thank you, Skype. Skype admits it. Um, but they don't... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't have any response uh the, you know remember it, t- this is what happened uh, to uh real the real player this is why the real player really disappeared from the face of the earth people stopped installing it because so much other stuff came along with it and it made people so angry they said i'm not going to use this greed my friends it's simple greed i understand you got to make you got a business you got to make hey i'm a businessman i understand but you don't do this without warning people. You don't do it without giving people the option to opt out. It's not acceptable, especially in this day and age of malware and spyware. You know, people are very sensitive to the notion that a program might install something on their system. We use Skype. I, uh, I'm a big Skype user. In fact, we, I tell you every weekend, you know, if you're outside the U.S. and you want to call us, we have a toll-free number, but you can call that toll-free number. It only works, you know, a toll-free inside the U.S., but you can call that number via Skype out uh you know if you want to call the show and you know i when my daughter went to france for a year uh, in her uh, junior year of high school i bought the uh, unlimited skype out for 99 bucks for a year and that gave her the ability to call us not only on our computers but on our phones cell phones and home phones for free from europe and that was great and i'm a big fan in fact i my podcast network you know uh, most of the hosts who are on our shows uh, Skype in because they're not in, you know, not not in studio with us, and the sound quality, the picture quality is good enough that it, it, you know, it kind of replaces a satellite, the kind of satellite connection that you'd see on a on a on a big network. Even well, even the big network, CNN and others, use Skype now, don't they? Skype got its value up; they got to, uh, you know, Microsoft bought them for eight and a half billion dollars. I guess they just decided now it doesn't matter. Let's go for the gold. Let's trash the brand. Nobody's got a choice anyway. Let Microsoft deal with the fallout. Wow. Isn't that sad? Oh, man. They're just going for the gold, aren't they? Last chance. You got $8.5 billion, guys. Do you really need any more? Sad thing is, really, there really aren't many good choices. If you're on a Mac, you can use FaceTime, but but it, you know it only works with uh, Macintoshes and uh, an iPhone, so it's kind of, you know it's limited in that way. There are other um, you know kind of oddball choices people don't really know about, like Ufu. But but Skype's the brand name. Here's an opportunity for somebody, I think, to jump in. If you're an entrepreneur out there, and I know there's millions of entrepreneurs, a lot a lot of young. Gals and guys that just out of college have all the chops and the skills, and they're saying, I don't want to go to work for a tech company. I want to start my own. Well, here's a chance. Here's a chance. Eight and a half billion dollar payday. Skype is, what, uh, seven years old. It's like a billion a year. You could live with that, couldn't you? Here's your chance. Make something better. And my advice to you, you know, be treat your treat your users like the gold that they are. Don't treat them like uh, they're a resource to be mined. World's changing. You can't treat your customers like uh, like cows that you will be leading to slaughter. You have to treat them like uh, partners, and don't dump junkware on them. Please. I look at Facebook, same thing. I just read an article, an interview with Mark Zuckerberg, the uh, CEO of Facebook. His his attitude is, you know, people are all worried about privacy. Get over it. <laughs> he says, I'm starting to think this guy's actually actively evil. He's, his, his philosophy is, well, privacy anxiety is fleeting, you know, Whenever we make a change and we breach your privacy, this is him speaking, by the way, in France at the EG8 forum. So whenever we make a change, we'll roll it out. This is a quote, direct quote, quote, we'll roll it out. And pretty often there's this backlash and people will say, okay, we don't like this new thing. I think it's a real anxiety. People were really afraid of more people being able to be involved in the social network. You're going to get used to it. It'll be okay. This is a very self-serving mark. Come on. You want to make money off of us. You don't want us to have privacy. What you did was you created a network that promised privacy and then failed to deliver. You promised people that you could create a Facebook profile and only your friends would see it, that you'd have control over who gets to see it. And then you turned around You pulled the rug right out from under us. And now you're saying, oh, you're just anxious. Don't worry. It's okay. That's pretty evil. I think, you know, I got into this business. I got into technology because I loved it because I thought it was going to change. I still think it's going to change the world for the better. It's going to give us all a chance to be heard and make a difference. And so it makes me really mad when these companies come along and abuse this and I'm I'm on my I'm on my high horse now. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, Luis Oliveira on the controls today, his second to last Sunday doing the show. Luis is going back to school. I encourage that. That's good. Actually, there's an an entrepreneur, a venture capitalist, Peter Thiel. Uh, he's He's one of the early investors in Facebook, made a lot of money on Facebook, who is telling people not to go back to school. Luis, you might be interested in this. He's offering college kids big grants. A fellowship of a hundred thousand dollars provided they drop out of school for two years what <laughs> that's making a lot i bet a lot of parents are going uh yeah well huh <laughs> Luis says i like that guy i think it's his opinion that college is he, he is is he gave a uh, talk at berkeley he he was looking for 20 tw- he was looking for 20 people he ended up finding 24 he said we couldn't we couldn't narrow it down 24 people that he gave $100,000 each to. Wow, that's $2.4 Uh It's good investment, right? He's a venture capitalist. How does that work? Well, he gives you the money. He gets a big chunk of your company. And if you invent the next Facebook, why, well, Peter is very happy. He doesn't care if you go to college or not. He wants to make money off of you. Uh, although that, at least that is a out-in-the-open deal with the devil that a college kid might make. He says there's a lot of kids who are sitting there in college who, uh, college is not really serving them. They've got great ideas. They want to go out and do it. They have all the tools they need to do it. He says it's, he's not against college. It's not that college is wrong. It's that the assumption that everyone should go to college. It's wrong. And what he really is appalled by, and I think increasingly we're starting to see this, is the return on investment that some colleges offer, the crushing debt that many students go into, lifetime of debt. To get that college degree, that it perhaps isn't worth the amount of money they paid for it. And so they find they've got a job coming out of college, but it's not enough of a job to pay off that debt. And as a result, they're, uh, you know, they're tied down. He uses Facebook as an example. Of course, he was a big investor. He said, when Yahoo offered to buy Facebook for a billion dollars in 2006, the company had thirty million dollars in revenue, no profit, only five million US members, almost all of them in college. He said it's the long term vision, the plan for the future that kept Facebook alive and kept them going. And uh, he says he doesn't he's not against college. He says he's glad he went to college. But if you've got that vision, <laughs> here's a hundred here's a hundred grand, kid. <laughs> Go out and make the next Facebook. And oh, by the way, I'll take a chunk of that. Thank you. <laughs> the average college graduate leaves school with 24000 in debt. Ten percent of them never do find work of any kind. It's probably true that not everybody should go to college. And, and there are plenty of kids coming out of high school with the skills they need to create the next Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg was a uh, college sophomore. I think you could make the argument, and dropped out. I think you could make make the argument that Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg all had the skills they need going into college to start the companies they started. And uh, college was just kind of a holding period for them. Seventy years ago, one and a half million kids went to college. Five years ago, 20 million. College tuition has risen over the past 25 years three times as fast as individual family income. Over the last decade, college tuition has gone up 5.6% per year beyond, over and above the rate of inflation. Now, I got a kid in college, and I'm I'm glad she went to college, and I'm encouraging my High school sophomore, I'm saying you gotta. You, this is the time to get those grades and get that resume going because you want to get in a good college. Because I do also think, yeah, Martin's Martin's a 7th grader going into 7th grade. He's listening. <laughs> He's in our studio today. I do think that the modern world requires skills over and beyond uh, what most kids are going to come out of high school with. Uh, in fact, what it what increasingly looks like is a graduate degree is going to be necessary if you want to get those highest paying jobs but not every kid should go to college. Peter Thiel's going to give 24 kids 100 grand to drop out of school. He says but you have to change the world. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting. He's worried Peter's worried that long-term economic stagnation is ahead because uh of a lack of innovation. I don't know if that's true. Don't you feel like we're in a, the most innovative period? You can remember. I mean, look at the all the websites and the inventions. I think it's a very exciting time. Very exciting time. What do you think? I talk to people a lot who poo-poo uh, who, uh, college, and I talk to others, and I'll tell you, i put putting my money on college right now, a lot of it. I, I I'm not sure. I you know, in I guess in my case, what I'm saying is I'm going to hedge my bets and get give my kids a chance to go to college because uh, I'm certainly not going to risk their life on the uh, on the notion that maybe college isn't necessary. I agree. Starting your life up to your eyeballs in debt is not a good idea. I mean, that's that's a significant amount of money that some of these kids are. Oh, I don't know. What do you think? Eighty-eight eighty-eight. Ask Leo eight 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 two seven five five three six. Let's go to the phones. Jeff's in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, Jeff. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
2: Good morning, Leo. We good morning. <laughs> we spent all day yesterday on that whole Skype thing. Trying what do you to think? I'll It was just crazy, man. So you have it. You experienced it. Yeah, we spent we spent literally probably 16 hours uh, trying to get trying to get rid of this stupid thing, and uh, and now we see Skype actually making a statement about it. How uh, how really annoying.
0: <laughs> yeah, Skype. Skype's uh, statement, which was at one this morning, is Dear Skype users, this is from Claudius, Skype Germany. He's an admin on the Skype forums, forums.skype.com. He says, We understand your concern about Easy Bits Go and the fact that you are upset. Please bear with us until we can give an official statement on this later.
2: Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is wrong. You know, <laughs> and I'm a paying Skype user. I mean, I pay for Skype services, so this is. This is I do too. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I have a question uh Leo about and thank you for taking my call very very much. I really think very highly of you. Thanks, Jeff. Um I am a uh, I'm a blind computer user and I am buying a Mac. And uh I also have a Windows machine and uh I really don't want to have to buy another monitor. So I went looking around for uh KVM switches and there are a ton of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so I'm using a USB uh, you know, mouse and, and keyboard on my Windows machine, and I'm getting a Magic Trackpad, which, of course, is Bluetooth uh, on the Mac side. Uh, but I want to I wanna try to get something that's going to work so I can share my monitor uh, and speakers across uh, both the Mac and, and the PC. And I just didn't know if you the, knew. The
0: trick on KVMs uh, right now, KVM stands for keyboard, video, mouse. The idea being one keyboard, one mouse, one monitor multiple computers plugged into it, and you press a button mm-hmm. or the KVM auto senses which computer you're using and puts that computer display up on the monitor and attaches the mouse and keyboard, and in your case, speakers to that computer. It's a clever idea, but there are some caveats, which we'll talk about right after the break. So hang on, okay, Jeff?
3: Thanks.
0: It's actually a clever solution, but we'll have that for you in a minute. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Portion of the Tech Guy Show, brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call eight six six the number two get net to get DSL Extreme. Oh, there's so much to do now. I have Scott Wilkinson on the line. We're going to talk about home theater with Scott in just a second. But let me let me wrap up this conversation with Jeff uh, from Tucson who's looking for a KVM switch. I'll tell you, Jeff, just off the top of my head, um, the KVMs that I've used and had great success with are the IO gear KVMs. One thing to be aware of is that many KVMs are for analog monitors or VGA. You probably don't have an analog monitor, so you've got to get a KVM that supports the digital display and has the right Actually, um, uh, uh, analog monitor. You do. That makes it a lot easier Okay, uh, and a lot cheaper. Because an analog KVM switch uh, is is much more straightforward. Okay. So um, so, uh, at that point, you know, I don't think it matters too much. I've had bad experiences with the the KVMs that uh, use the USB and the keyboard to do the switch. You know, they have keyboard strokes that do the switch. I like having a KVM with a physical switch on the front of it. I know that's less convenient, but I find that. That works better. We used, uh, we've used a lot of KVMs in television because we needed a way to uh, switch. We had exactly this issue, right? You have uh, multiple computers, but you want to use a single keyboard, mouse, and monitor for them, those computers. And uh, I found IO gears work the best. Great. Thank you, Leo. My pleasure. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And I think your switch to the Mac is probably a good idea. Accessibility on the Mac is astoundingly good. It's very good. Now let's say hello to Scott Wilkinson. <laughs> Very patient man. He's the uh, editor in hey, That was an important question. It was an important question. Editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine at ultimateavmag.com. And uh, columnist for Home Theater Magazine joins us every week to talk about TVs and surround <laughs> sound. Hi, and Scott. All that good stuff.
4: Yeah. Hey, listen, I wanted to let everyone know in Southern California that next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, is a really cool um, show open to the public called the Home Entertainment Show Newport oh. in Newport Beach. Uh, the Home Entertainment T H E. So it's the show um, at the Hilton Newport Beach, which is actually in Irvine, <laughs> but I suppose right on the border or so, right right next to the uh, John Wayne Airport. Uh, Friday through Sunday. Uh, more information. Go to the show Newport. Dot com. I've never heard of such a thing. Are there, are there a lot of local uh, home theater shows? Is this There any- aren't that many, no. Uh, we go to a lot of trade shows, but there aren't that many for consumers. But there are more. This is actually a growing trend. There's another show called Axpona, which is American something or another. I forget what it stands for. But uh, that there was one in Orlando or Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, um, a few weeks ago. This is coming up in June in New York. This T.H.E. show has been in a variety of places. There's been one at CES for the last several
0: years and associated, I think, also with Cedia in September. I think this is such a good idea because uh, going to a, um, a, a store to look at a TV for a consumer mm-hmm. is far from ideal. The, Absolutely. The, the lighting, you don't have control of what you're seeing. You don't see enough different varieties. You can't really trust the salespeople to, to give you good information. So having, a, <laughs> That's having sure, a, trade sh- a a trade show style thing where they're, you're not going to buy, I presume they don't sell anything there.
4: I don't think so, no. It's just to show off stuff. It's now, for I information. Love- it's a great, exactly. we need a way to
0: gather information as consumers. I think this is great.
4: That's correct. And now this show started much more as an audiophile show, so I suspect there's still more audio stuff there than video. Um, but still, they're, they're showing things in hotel rooms rather than a, a, in a big giant uh, showroom, so you do get more of a a sense of being at home in a sense. Yeah, uh, you're in a smaller room. You're not you in know. a brightly lit warehouse
0: with the yeah, fluorescents exactly. and uh, and 800 yeah. people wandering around. I think, and there is, will be some home theater stuff there too.
4: So uh, it's a smart I
0: mean, it's a smart thing for the manufacturers to do. I, w- I would absolutely. love to see them do more of this.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the the show, this the show, is uh, starting to do more and more. So I'm really happy about that. I'm going to be down there on Saturday. It's Saturday. It's noon to seven PM, and then Saturday and Sunday it's like ten to six or ten to four, something like that. And um, and so I'm going to be wandering the halls all day on um, on Friday, and uh, maybe I'll see some of you
0: down there. Neat. I think this is something that stereo uh, companies, uh, audio companies, are used to doing because they know you really. There's no way to listen to to hear audio in. Uh, in a big box store or in a, that's correct. in a good guys or a Best Buy. And so yep. they need, you know, that's why Magnolia is, you know, around inside, what are those inside Best Buys? I think.
4: Uh, yeah. Best Buy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: because you need a different kind of venue if you want to hear the audio. On you need
4: menu. an environment. Yeah, right. exactly. Got some, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so this is a really good idea. Um, boy, you, when you said that, uh, you know, that you weren't necessarily going to get good information from salesmen, I I have a reader letter that I just had to share with you. It's hilarious. Uh, Joe Suters wrote and said, what do you think of these new plasma LED hybrids?
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) What?
4: I wrote him back and I said, uh, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Plasma and LCD are two very different technologies. Completely different technologies. And, And he wrote me back. I said, what do you mean? And he wrote me back and he said, oh, the salesman at the store's, you know, showed me the Samsung TV and said, it's the greatest thing. It's a combination of plasma and LCD. Wow. (laughs) So I wrote him back and I said, "Uh, no. Wow. No such a thing. Yeah. Um, And I even told, I even called Samsung and told them about it, uh, you know, and and they said, hmm, I guess we better get on our training program, hadn't we? (laughs) (laughs) I,
0: I have to admit, having in the past haunted electronics stores, just to hear what, what nitwit stuff! Some of the salesmen. Some, now oh, occasionally okay. you'll get a salesman who really knows his stuff.
4: Yes, yes, absolutely. And
0: and so I'm not. I don't want to tar them all with the same brush. But every no, no, once no. in a while. But most of the time, you hear such <laughs> self, often self-serving, but sometimes just kind of misinformed information, it's totally
4: wrong. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I, I have to assume that the guy was simply misinformed or yeah. just you know didn't know what he was talking about and just making stuff up. He, I don't think it was being malicious, but. Uh, it does. It was a great illustration of how you have to be a little careful when yeah. you go into these stores and yeah. take whatever the salesperson says with a grain of salt. Well,
0: good, good, the good news is at least we have the Internet, and there's never been a better time for a consumer to become well-informed on a product before they buy it. You have all this information online, all these reviews. You can go to CNET, PC Mag, all sorts of places, Ultimate AV home Magazine, HomeTheaterMag.com. Yeah, home yes. <laughs> there's so many great places to go now. Yeah. So that I know when I go shopping for a big ticket item of any kind, I usually go in pretty well prepared.
4: Exactly. And I think more and more people are doing that and I applaud them for it. I think that's
0: really, uh, I almost don't want the trick. salesman to come over. It's like, yeah, dude, right. dude, I'll <laughs> let you know. Yeah, right. You know, I don't need your misinformation.
4: I, I, there have been a lot of uh, people who have gone in as sort of secret shoppers or mystery yeah. shoppers, yeah. you
0: know, that's and then
4: written and then written about it. Yeah. I, I haven't done that myself, but it might be kind of fun to do sometime. Yeah. Um, I wanted to let everybody know who has, I, I want to thank everyone who has written me. I've gotten a lot of emails, a lot of questions. I'm I'm answering them all as fast as I can. <laughs> I answer at least eight a week, and I'm about two or three weeks behind now. So <laughs> I just want to let everybody know that, uh, be be patient, You're, I will answer your questions. That's so, awfully nice
0: of you. I mean, I don't answer everybody's email. I can't answer all my emails. Well, so that's I, very I nice probably
4: can't either, but I do as absolutely as many <laughs> as trying. I possibly can. Yeah, yeah, I'm really doing my Good best. For you. Yeah.
0: Good for you. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break. Why don't you come back and answer another question uh when we come back? Cuz sure, I, I ate sure. up a little bit of, a little bit of your time. Scott Wilkinson is the editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, ultimateavmag.com, and a columnist for Home Theater Magazine, hometheatermag.com. Also hosts a podcast, I, m- one of my personal favorites called Home <laughs> Theater Geeks. Yeah, uh, he does it on our uh, podcast network every Monday afternoon, 130 Pacific, 430 Eastern at live.twit.tv. Who's your guest tomorrow?
4: Uh, no guest tomorrow. It's
0: Memorial oh, Day. Oh, you're taking the day off, huh? Yeah. The whole all of Twitter. Did I, is taking did I, the I give everybody out. the day off tomorrow? <laughs> I didn't even know. All right. Well next Monday we'll talk. Hey, That's hang right. on. We're gonna get another question from a viewer, or right. a listener, I should say, in just a bit. Scott Wilkinson with us. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. He's super freaky. Float! Leo Laporte, the tech guy, with the super home theater freak, Scott Wilkinson, <laughs> ultimateavmag.com. So uh, let's get one more question from a listener in here. I know you take them uh, on, on, uh, online at ultimateavmag.com and hometheatermag.com, but you also can email Scott, scott at yep. but No guarantee of a personal answer, although it sounds like Scott's working to do that.
4: I, I am. Crazy. I don't necessarily write answers back to the uh, questioner, but I do send them a link to my answer online.
0: Excellent. That's that's good.
4: <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to answer as many as I can online, and then I send them a link, and I say, go here and see my answer. I think
0: that yes. works great.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I got one from, uh, let's see, who was
0: it? Uh, I'm going to try that on the, on the radio show. What's that? I'm going to do that on the radio show. Please see my answer from April 7th. Next.
4: (laughs) I wish I could. Very good. I wish I could. No, uh, Morgan Wallhagen uh, asked about plasma break-in periods. Just got a brand new plasma, and the the salesman, we were talking about salesman earlier, and and the salesman said, you want to break it in. Now, in this case, the salesman was right. You kind of do want to be a little careful with plasmas at the beginning, because particularly at the beginning, they are susceptible to uh, image
0: retention. Really? More burn-in at the beginning than later?
4: Yes. Now, I make a distinction between burn-in and image retention. Uh, Burn-in is permanent. And unless you keep a particular image on the screen for days or weeks at a time, it's not going to be burn-in. It's not going to be permanent, but it will be retained for a while. Oh. Uh, So I make a distinction between burn-in and image retention. Um, and you will have a Im- more of an image retention problem at the very beginning. Uh, plus, things will do tend the phosphors do tend to sort of settle a little bit in the beginning. So, if you're going to have your TV calibrated, I would wait uh, fifty to hundred hours. We typically put a hundred hours on our plasmas before we actually calibrate them and review them.
0: Oh, interesting. Hmm.
4: Um, now, uh, the easiest thing to do is just to make sure that when you're when you've got stuff on the screen. Uh, you're watching a full widescreen image um, rather than a 4x3 standard def TV station, which will put these black pillar bars on the side of the screen. So that will tend to uh, cause the 4x3 window to be retained, the the image of that or the outline of that window to be retained. So make sure that you're displaying a full 16x9 high def image of moving content. You know, if you put a game up there and you just go walk away and leave it waiting, idling, um, you know, that will cause some image retention, too. So as long as the image is moving around, uh, it's not going to be too much of a problem. What we do, uh, he asked, what kind of image do you put on the screen? We actually have a test generator and we put up a uh, like a 50 percent white field and just let all the pixels burn in absolutely equally and evenly. Uh, but I can't expect very many consumers to have a test generator. <laughs> um, now you could uh, get something like Digital Video Essentials, which has a variety of what are called flat fields, and put up a white field and just leave it on there for a while. Oh. Uh, that that most uh, consumers could do. I don't how think long. Well, again, we we do it for 50 to 100 hours. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. No, you're not going to do that. Most people, <laughs> I want to watch TV. Of course, of course. So <laughs> all I'm saying is when you watch TV in the first 100 hours or so, really try to concentrate mostly, pick um, high-def channels. That's all.
0: Okay, that's easy. I could do that. It's easy. You know, I just fill the screen, the entire screen. But you're saying ideally you would put uh... – Uh, What a fifty percent gray? What? How? What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, fifty percent gray. A fifty percent gray screen up, and walk away and leave it for the weekend.
4: Yep, that's exactly what we do. Uh, We've we've got the Panasonic VT30 sitting in our studio right now as we speak with a fifty percent gray field on it. Hmm. And by Tuesday, and that's
0: not going to burn in. That's not going to.
4: No, no. It's every pixel is doing exactly the same thing. Right. Every pixel is showing 50% white or 50% gray. Is it
0: too late? To, now my, my TV is two years old. I didn't do that. Is it too late to do it now?
4: Nah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> there's no reason to do it now. Okay. You've got well over 100 hours on that thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've watched a lot of uh, high def yeah. TV, I right? I
0: 100 hours on it this week. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Okay.
4: So anyway, that's that's all I have to say about that. You know, I, I, talk I, about I
0: didn't know that. I should have done that in, the day I got it. That's interesting. I could have well, waited you know, a weekend.
4: yeah Yeah, just you know just put on a a high def channel that's if you're going to do it over the weekend and just walk away and leave it alone uh make sure that the that that particular station most of them don't these days put up you know put up a test pattern at 2 a.m right you know some of them go oh we're now going oh i
0: wouldn't do that well that's what i got i bought uh, dv essentials i bought joe kane's um
4: yeah exactly you could have done that too yeah you could have just put that up put one of the flat white fields up um, and just left it there for a weekend, and and it would be fine. Otherwise, just watch high def TV, sixteen by nine full screen image, no fa- no problem. You're fine. You're totally fine.
0: I just watched the entire Sopranos season, and I was good. That was good. UltimateAVMag.com. Exactly. That is the place to find Scott Wilkinson. You can email him Scott at techilabs.com. And uh, not tomorrow, but next Monday, Home Theater Geeks. On That's the right. Twitter Network. You can listen to all the previous Home Theater Geeks by going to TWIT tv slash h t g thanks scott
4: thank you Leo. we'll
0: see you next oh actually no maybe next week we could talk about what to do if you do have a little not image burn in but a little persistent image on your screen what you could do to clear that up sure sure absolutely happy to yeah that'd be great thank you scott wilkinson my pleasure take care leo laporte the tech guy we're going to take a little break come back with more we've got more calls yes indeed in fact christine from palm springs you're next she wants to buy a new laptop (laughs) has some questions, and wants to know what to do with the old one. I've got some suggestions. Before we do that, though, and this actually is good advice for anybody, getting a new computer, a new laptop especially. You know about laptops, they get lost, they get stolen. I don't want to scare you. But you have to have a disaster plan for when the hard drive dies or you lose some data. Maybe you just accidentally throw away something you needed and then empty the recycle bin. That's why I recommend a good backup backup. And that's why I tell you all about Carbonite every week. Carbonite is backup done right. Automatic, so you don't have to think about it. That's very important. And whenever you're online, it uses the Internet without slowing you down. to Get your data up onto that Carbonite server where it's multiple backups all over the country. You know, Very safe. You can even encrypt it if you want absolute privacy. And then anytime you need your data, even if disaster hasn't happened, you just want to go log into your Carbonite account and see your data, it's right there. Even uh, on their smartphone apps, they have free iPhone and BlackBerry and Android apps. I just think Carbonite's a great, great deal. $59 a year for all the personal data on your internal drive, no matter how much. Carbonite, you got to back it up to get it back. So do it right. Go to Carbonite.com and try it free for two weeks right now. you got to use my name, Leo, as the offer code. Carbonite.com. If you decide to buy after the trial, please do the trial first. I want to make sure that this works for you, that you're happy with it. If you decide you want to buy, use Leo again, you'll get 14 months for the price of 12, two free months. Carbonite.com. And a big pat on the back. Carbonite, uh, initially, when they first started, was just a few engineers, and they used uh, a support center in India, a call center in India, as many do, to save money. But they noticed something. Satisfaction rates on calls that were handled in the U.S. were so much higher. Uh, because from time to time the engineers would answer the calls. You know, in fact, I think that that's the policy. David, friend, the CEO of Carbonite told me that everybody in the front office, everybody who works at Carbonite answers phones, answers support phones at least an hour a week, because so they have an experience, a frontline experience with customers, and they realize you know it's better when we do it here. They closed their Indian call center just this week, and uh, they've hired 250 people in uh, Lewiston, Maine. All U.S. support. And I just think that's so great. Carbonite, just another reason to support him. Carbonite.com. Use the offer code Leo to give it a try. Christine, Palm Springs, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo. Hi, how Christine.
3: You today? I'm great.
5: How are you? Doing great. I'm about ready to purchase a laptop and um, I've gotten down to the point where they're asking about extended warranties. Is this like insurance when you rent a car? Is this
0: Yes, in okay. my opinion it is. Okay. You'll get some debate on this, but it's a profit center for these companies. They're in, it's you're insuring. So you either insure it yourself. The problem is if you look read if if you're going to buy an extended warranty, read carefully what it does. Mm-hmm. Most people kind of assume, "Oh, that means if I drop the computer they'll replace it." No. Mm-hmm. It is it in most cases just taking the existing warranty and adding a year to it. Okay. So if there's something wrong with the computer because it's their fault, they'll fix it. Now in most cases with a computer a year warranty is sufficient. If, you know, if nothing breaks in the first year, it's not going to break in the second year. Your hard drive will eventually need replacement. All hard drives fail eventually, but that's you know, I don't I think that's not an expensive upgrade and I think that's one I'm willing to I never let me put it, let me put it this way. I never buy the extended warranty.
5: Okay. Then I have a few old computers. I'm doing some uh, spring cleaning over the Memorial yeah. Day weekend. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was just wondering about wiping out the old drives and either recycling or putting them on Craigslist or eBay. or if
0: Yeah, let me tell you what to do with those, but we're going to have to take a break. So just listen on the air, and I'll tell you right after your local news. Leo Laporte, The Tech Guy. Good to see you. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy from the Tech Guy Labs in beautiful Northern California. Taking your questions, talking about tech. My phone number is 888-827-5536 if you've got a question, a comment, a suggestion. Did you buy the new Lady Gaga album? Did you buy it on Amazon for 99 cents? That was the deal, wasn't it? Monday and Thursday. I bought it Tuesday, <laughs> so I paid $7 for it. When they first, when Lady Gaga's new album, Born This Way, first went on sale, Amazon offered it on their MP3 downloads for $0.99. Cents. Uh, and it was so big that, in fact, their servers were way slowed down. People who bought it were having a hard time downloading it. Of course, you know, next day or the day after, you probably were able to get it without a problem. And it was in your uh, cloud locker this is you know in some ways for amazon a great promotion for the uh, the cloud service because you didn't have to download it to play it you could stream it uh on your android phone or on your computer even on ios you could stream it without downloading it uh amazon according to billboard magazine sold 440,000 copies of the album 99 cent album <laughs> Uh, so, how much money did they lose? Because they still paid Lady Gaga and her label the same amount as if they'd sold it for the full price. For every unit Amazon sells at a buck, they lose, according to Billboard, about $7.40. So they're figuring, Am- cost Amazon around million to do that promotion. Worth it? Heck yeah. Are you kidding me? Heck yeah. Uh, I think, I'm sure Amazon feels that way because, first of all, they got a lot of attention. They're getting people talking about it like right now. Uh, I think they introduced 440,000 people to Amazon MP3 buying and Amazon's cloud music service. It's well worth it. So Lady Gaga didn't take a hit on this. No, Lady Gaga's happy. Amazon took the hit. Now, the same album sold on iTunes for $12, bucks, 11 dollars 99 People, I think some people did buy it on iTunes. There's, of course, a Habit. People are used to buying music on iTunes. It is, after all, the number one music retailer in the U.S. of any kind, digital or, you know, storefront. Uh, plus uh, they were able to download it from iTunes when maybe they weren't able to download it right away from Amazon. So I think that Gaga made money off iTunes too, but wait, to sell? in two days, 440,000 copies of an album makes that a pretty successful album. and And I think a very successful promotion for Amazon. They're promoting their cloud drive, their cloud player they you know they know that apple and google are going right after them with the same kind of thing it's probable that people who bought the 99 cent album many of those if they didn't have amazon accounts now do and will come back and buy other things i i think this is a very successful promotion now what's interesting is Billboard has decided not to change its how it charts music, even though there was this kind of, you know, big bump for a Lady Gaga because of the promotion. I guess that makes sense. You know, if you're promoting something, you've got to presume that the albums are promoted in some way to get early sales, and uh, you can't really change your algorithm of how you put something on the charts based on that. Did you buy? born this way i did i bought it just because it was 99 cents actually this is an example of where amazon made out a little bit because i went to amazon hearing about the 99 cent deal and it was already over so i bought it for 6.99 they i guess they still lost a little money i don't even you know (laughs) and i didn't download it it's just on my cloud drive i think that's pretty successful i think you've got to you've got to praise amazon for Interesting debate, by the way, over Amazon's cloud service and Google's cloud service. Neither company licensed the music from record companies uh, for putting on the cloud. They say, well, we don't need to license it. It's just a storage. It's like uh, having a remote hard drive. What, what, What license? Sony says, oh, no, we want a license for that. Had Google paid licenses to the labels, it would have been $100 million up front to the four major labels. But the music industry turned it down. They said, we don't even want you to license it because we figure Google and YouTube just point to pirated music. We don't want to work with you guys. Now, the rumor is very strong that Apple's already signed three of the four major labels, maybe even by now all four, for their cloud service. There will be, I am sure, lawsuits for Amazon and Google over these services. It's really a shame because think about it. If you're using Google's cloud service, they don't sell music. You have to upload the song. Google's just giving you storage. License? What li- why do they need a license for that? Amazon's selling music. Sony and others say, well, okay, wait a minute. You could sell the Lady Gaga album, but when you just stick it on the cloud drive there and let people play it from the cloud drive, no, you have to pay for that extra. You'd think the music industry... Would just be grateful. <laughs> just thank you. They should just say thank you to Google. Thank you to Amazon. Thank you to Apple. You're keeping us alive. People are buying music. What are you complaining about? 8888, ask Leo. Nah, you know, everybody's greedy, I guess. 8888, ask Leo. And of course, uh, all of the greed, all it does is really impact. You and me, the normal user. If if the record industry hadn't been so greedy, we wouldn't have to upload those songs, by the way. We could just say, hey, yeah, I own this song. Uh, look on my hard drive. You see, that, see that album? See that song? And Google would just say, yeah, okay, good. We'll serve it to you. That was the original structure of a, of a site called mp3.com. Remember that? mp3.com had some software that you'd put on your computer. It would go through your music, say, oh, yeah, you own that, 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 and that. No problem. Now whenever you want to hear it, you don't have to upload it. We just ha- we have a copy. You can listen to our copy. And Universal Vivendi sued them. Got a settlement which drove the stock price of mp3.com down to nothing. And then Universal Vivendi bought them. Saying, "You know, that was our plan all along." <laughs> we we knew that mp3.com really couldn't fight and win this lawsuit. Not because there's no there's there's merit in it there isn't any merit in it but we just knew it would be too expensive we've got we've got more lawyers than they do so we win by default and now we'll buy the company but because of that decision you can't you can't just say hey yeah I own a song can I play it from your cloud service you have to upload it to the cloud service it took days for me to upload 6000 songs to the cloud service but now I have them all on the Google music and my on my Google phone and my Google tablet I can play them that's kind of nice Uh, We were talking about uh, erasing hard drives. I need to uh, finish up that call. uh, Remember, our our caller, uh, Christine, is buying a new laptop, has a bunch of old laptops and old hard drives just lying around. She wants to sell them. You can sell them on eBay. Very important that you wipe them before you sell them. You don't want any of your data on it. And that means, in my opinion, not merely erasing them, but erasing them and overwriting them with ones and zeros so that there's really no trace of your data. Great program called Derek's Boot and Nuke. If those hard drives are still in a computer, a PC, it's easy to do. You just uh, go search Google DBAN. That's short for Derek's Boot and and Nuke. D-B-A-N. It's a free program. You download it, you put it on a CD, you boot to the CD, it wipes the drive, and now you can sell it. Now it's okay to sell it. But make sure you do that before you sell it. You want to get your date off of there. Leo Laporte, The Tech Guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. That's the question to the a number to call for a question or a comment or a suggestion. You know, uh, the question of erasing hard drives is an interesting one because, well, certainly it's better to erase a hard drive before you sell it or give it away. Make sure all your data is off of it. It's not sufficient merely to erase all the files because. Uh, your hard drive will have additional data left behind from files that were erased or... uh, It's called Slack space. Uh, So formatting the drive or just erasing the files doesn't get rid of the data. Uh, And often, even if you secure-delete individual files, because of Slack space, extra space on the hard drive that was used to store files previously not being erased... Uh, you may have a significant amount of data in there. And, and, and of course, forensics departments in law enforcement know this very well. They always search the swap, swap file in the Slack space because while the bad guys may use a secure deletion program on the files, individual files, much of that data may survive in Slack space or swap drive. So what you really want is a whole drive erasing program like Derek's Boot and Nuke. And what you can, you know, it's got settings. What you can do with DBAN is you can say, I want you to erase... Write it with ones, erase, write it with zeros. You don't have to do too many of those. A couple of those is probably more than enough. It does take some time. That drive is not going to be recoverable in uh, you know in any way that I know of, although people like Steve Gibson, who is both a hard drive and a security expert, uh assert that perhaps the deepest, darkest, secret, most secret government agencies have technologies and tools. That can perhaps read drives even after they've been erased a few times. That's why the the, uh, Department of Defense spec is eight times. Eight erases and rewrites. And why the British military says, here's what you do. You do that. Then you open up the hard drive. You grind it into a million little pieces of iron filings. And then you store it in a safe forever that's paranoid (laughs) maybe the maybe the you know these government agencies do have ways to recover this stuff i wouldn't put it past them we've seen people take shredded documents and tape them back together again to recover the data that's why you have to get a cross-cut shredder these days maybe it's possible it's non-trivial let's put it that way it's something that only a big government agency could even conceivably do so in my opinion if you erase it with one's erase it with zeros, erase and overrate a couple of times, you're fine. You don't have to drill a hole in the drive, grind it down, put it, and by the way, very difficult to sell on eBay once it's just filings. You really reduce, <laughs> you really reduce the value of the drive by doing that. I don't think there's anything on that drive that the National Security Administration really needs, Christine. I think you're probably all right. Scott, Orange County, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Scott.
6: Hey, Leo, how's it going?
0: It's going well. How are you?
6: Pretty good, pretty good. Hey, uh, I actually did buy uh, the Lady Gaga album for 99 cents, only to get the 20 gigs of uh, cloud drive.
0: <laughs> well, that was a good deal, wasn't it? If you buy any album from Amazon, even that 99 cent album, they expand your cloud drive from 5 gigabytes to 20 gigabytes.
6: Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a good deal.
0: So Yeah, worth, ni- even if you hated Lady Gaga, worth 99 cents. That's, That's for a year.
6: I don't hate Lady Gaga, but I'm not a huge fan.
0: So, <laughs> it's catchy. I, I, you know what I really admire is her very clever, in my opinion, use of social media, modern techniques like YouTube, Twitter, uh, and deals like this Amazon deal to promote herself. She's very good at that, isn't she?
6: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Hey, I have I have two questions for you. The first one's pretty simple. Um, I have a T-Mobile G2X phone, and I love it. Uh, Me too, love it. Yeah, yeah. The battery life is horrible, but the phone... Terrible!
0: Is- <laughs> the worst! <laughs> but all smartphones nowadays have terrible battery life. Uh, the iPhone's better than anything else out there, but... Uh, you know what I did? I just bought a second battery. Yeah,
6: yeah I heard you say that yesterday. I was kind yeah. of like, yeah, maybe I should do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was expensive because I didn't just buy a battery because I thought, well, how am I going to keep a second battery charged? I had to buy a battery charger with it, so it was about 100 bucks on Amazon. But now I keep that second battery plugged in and charging... And if I know I'm going to be going out, you know, for a day and I won't get near a charger, uh, I'll carry that second battery in my pocket and that gives me that gives me, uh, you know, probably 16 hours worth of battery life in most cases.
6: Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Well, you know, my question with this phone is best one I've ever had, but my concern is uh the switch over to T-Mobile when T-Mobile if T-Mobile takes over, uh, I'm sorry, AT&T takes over T-Mobile, will the 4G radio be compatible on AT&T's network?
0: Yes. Uh, that was one thing that uh, they did right. This is an LG phone uh, based on the Optimus Two design. It's a, a Tegra Two processor, so it's a a dual core processor. It makes it nice and fast. And they did build in radios compatible with AT and T on this phone. So in theory, uh, if you know, first of all, it's a big if that the AT and T T Mobile merger will be allowed to occur. Government regulators are looking at this kind of askance right now. So it's still an if, and if it happens, it takes a while for those things to happen. So, uh, and once it does, it's kind of unknown what will happen to a T-Mobile phone. Uh, my suspicion is it's going to be some years before this T-Mobile phone will stop working. Yeah. And uh, even if it didn't have the, all the bands, and I think they do have all the bands, so it's compatible with the AT&T band as
6: well. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's, that's good. I, it's something I had been couldn't really get a definitive answer on the Internet, so that's good to know.
0: Yeah, I looked into it, not that, you know, I ever keep a phone for more than a few months, but uh, <laughs> I did look into it as if I might. <laughs> and uh, I do love this phone. I may keep this one for a while. Uh, you know, it is it is it's got a great camera, 8 megapixel camera that I've been getting very nice pictures with. I like the extra speed. It's interesting cuz this display is not it's not like the Samsung display. It's not an OLED uh, or super AMOLED display. It's just an IPS uh, LCD display. But it's very um it it doesn't use a lot of juice. Uh, I don't know if you've looked at your battery usage on this phone, but the display, which is normally on most on most Android phones, the display is the big power user. On this phone it is not. It's usually the, you know, the least uh of the uh uh of the uh, juice hogs.
6: Yeah, interesting.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
6: Yeah, it's definitely a good phone, but I'm I'm glad to hear I'll be able to keep it a, a little while longer. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's the good news is that uh I, I presume that AT&T going for or T-Mobile going forward is going to consider that, and that most of the phones they sell. It's not such a big deal. There are different frequencies, but uh, but it's not such a big deal, with those frequencies. And because these phones are made internationally, you know, LG sells these all over the world. These are quad-band phones. They have all the frequencies that are commonly used on GSM networks.
6: Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, you know, my next question, a little bit more involved, but um, I'm kind of a... You know, I like to tinker with things, and um, I wanted to, I have a Windows 7 laptop that's about a year and a half old, and I wanted to try um, booting up Linux, but I want to keep Windows 7 intact in case I don't like Linux. Yeah. And I was wondering, is there a way to do that, and how do I do that?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, any Linux, and I recommend Ubuntu for most people, will automatically, when you run the Ubuntu's installer, it'll say, oh, I see you have Windows, would you like a dual boot, and it'll do it for you automatically.
6: Okay, really? Okay, interesting. So um, I can actually install Ubuntu, and then it'll, it'll kind of walk me through it? Yeah. Oh, okay, perfect. Perfect.
0: The only issue is sometimes if your drive is too full or it's too fragmented that it can't make enough space for the Linux partition, then it'll say, I can't make enough space for the Linux partition, and then you'll I guess you'll have to back up Windows and uh, and restore it so that it's all compacted down. But that, that's rare. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. portion of the tech guy is brought to you by carbonite.com it's back up done right carbonite go to carbonite.com and use my name leo for a two-week trial absolutely free you don't even need a credit card just my name leo uh les is in your belinda california our next caller hi les leo laporte the tech guy
7: hi leo uh thanks for taking my call sure okay here's my question been like weeks trying to get
3: through to you by the way
0: I know you're. A I know it's hard. We, are, you know, I don't, I don't take enough calls. I probably should take a hundred calls an hour, but uh, you know, I wouldn't gonna... be able to give you. I'd have to give you short shrift. So <laughs> that's the trade-off. Okay,
7: yeah, I'd be done by now if you did
0: that. I know. <laughs> um, well Sometimes people confuse this show with a support line, and it really let's let's be honest. I mean, any radio show is about entertaining people as well as informing people, right? And so I think people often feel like, well, you know. You don't answer enough calls. Well, that's really not my my job here. <laughs> my job is to entertain and inform, and if you get a little help on the side, that's great.
7: And, Leo, uh, the reason you took my call is because you have an entertaining show, right?
0: Uh, yes, and you're going to entertain us, aren't you, Les?
7: Ah, okay, put me on the spot. <laughs>
0: I'm kind no, of- that's my job. That's not your job. <laughs> your job is to be my foil. <laughs>
7: Okay. I have uh, or had a contact list on my uh, emails uh, that uh, was in some way, uh, uh, I would say, taken over or something. I I don't have it anymore because I deleted the contact list, but still, uh, everyone on the con- – or most everyone on my contact list uh, is getting um, links uh, that I don't send out.
0: These emails ah, – so let me ask you a couple of questions sure. for diagnostic purposes. Are you using a web-based mail system like Yahoo Mail, or are you using your Internet Service Provider's email system? Uh, internet server. Okay. So, and are you using Outlook? What are you using for your email program? Um,
7: you know, okay, now you're going too far with me as far as <laughs> you thinking that I know. and So you
0: have some program on your computer that you open to get your mail? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't care what it is. (laughs) Exactly. It's what? It's some program. I don't know. (laughs) So, Les, there's actually some, I have unfortunate news for you. Yeah. So there's two different kinds of attacks that can occur that give you this result. The bad guys want your email list because they can use your name and your email list to send your correspondence mail that looks like it's from you, so they'll trust it. And in that mail, they can either put spam or other uh, hack attacks to take over their system. This is how the earliest email viruses spread. It was called, remember, Mail lissa? It was it was a uh, email virus it was an attachment. The first thing it would do when you opened it is go through your contact list and send itself to everybody in your contact list. Leo. It was hor- horrendously effective.
7: Can I yes. do something Leo? Yes. Okay uh let me say that uh most everyone that gets this gets has like a link that they click on and it takes them to a canadian uh medical website that yeah. So they're
0: using they're using it to spam your friends.
7: Uh-huh.
0: Yes. Yeah. So the your question, the you know, the relevant question is how did they get this? Well, how uh, they, how do I stop uh. Right. So as I was saying, there's two ways that they can do this. If you have a web-based email account, like Yahoo Mail or Gmail, if they can crack into it, if they can guess your password, then it's very easy. This happens a lot on Yahoo Mail, unfortunately. It's very easy for them to get your password to get into your Yahoo Mail and get. And your Yahoo Mail stores all your contacts and just you know. In fact, what they do, it's a very interesting attack. It's kind of targeted. They read through enough of your emails to get enough sense about you that they can craft an email that looks like it came from you. That's one kind of attack. The other kind of attack, frankly, is much more dangerous, and I think it's what happened to you, which is you've got malware on your computer, you've got a virus on your computer. It went through your email contacts and has, has saved that list and has been mailing them out. Do those emails uh, less appear to be coming from you?
7: They they look like they're coming from me. I I erased all my contacts and they still everyone still gets them.
0: Well, yeah, I don't think erasing your contacts matters at this point because you do. You have an antivirus on your system?
7: Yes, Norton.
0: And you keep it up to date? Yes. And you've run a scan recently, and it doesn't show up anything? Yes. Okay.
7: And, and um, way uh, so it uh, sends them out, and uh, I mean, is, it, is let there me ask any- you
0: this: This is a good question. Do you see those emails in your sent folder? When you go to the sent folder, uh, you know, of mail that you've sent out, are those mails there? No. They are not? No. I, I'm I I I'm in, uh, inclined at this point to think that you don't have malware on your system, but that, in fact, your email account has been hacked at your Internet service provider.
7: And I changed my password, and that didn't do any good. But I guess it wouldn't make a difference at this point,
0: right? Well, once they have the list, no. Right.
7: Um, no one gets any viruses, by the way. Everyone no,
0: it doesn't. You know, sometimes they do spam. Sometimes they do viruses. It just depends. Um, I think at this point, there's not much you can do. I, you did the things that you needed to do, which is change the password on your email.
7: Right. Um, Deleted my contact
0: list. I still have everyone. I don't think you needed to do that because at this point they have it. Yeah, Spam always comes from somebody. It never comes. It's The return address is never the person who sent the spam. It's always uh, one of the people they, you know, on the mailing list. So, you know, uh, what will happen is after a while they'll stop using less and they'll use somebody else's return address.
7: Well, that's been a while, but they sure haven't stopped doing it. Wow, that's,
0: that's interesting. Yeah. Um. So they're forging the sender as you. Yeah. Uh, you know, one one thing that, and it's probably not something. If you don't know what kind of email program you're using, it's not something you're going to be able to figure out. But one thing I would try, if I were you, I would try to figure out is, is where is the email that your friends are getting originating? What's the originating server? You want to, you hope it's not your computer or your internet service provider's computer. What you hope is that they got your email contact address and they're just using it. Mm-hmm. How
7: do you figure out where? it's originating from
0: well it's a you know you need it's a fairly sophisticated thing you have to look at the email headers and trace it back um it's not if you know it's not something
7: i mean can my company that that's who i get it through can they figure it out or
0: so your is your email address like comcast.net or cox.net or
7: Yes, Roadrunner. Yeah. Roadrunner.com.
0: Roadrunner dot com. Okay. So yeah, I would I would uh this is probably be a worthwhile call to Roadrunner because it does sound like your Roadrunner account was hacked. Yep. Yeah, it
7: was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And at this point you've changed the password, which was yeah. the immediate correct response. Right. It's unlikely that you're gonna have any more problems, you know. Uh yeah. deleting your contact list as you realize didn't do any good because, well, they already had it. Um yeah, this is a you know, this is As minor a problem as it could be, it doesn't sound like your computer is affected. Hallelujah, because if that were the case, that's a real problem. Uh, They hacked into your account. Important when you change the password to change it to something that is not a dictionary word, that is not guessable. The more random and obscure your password is, the better. Generally, what I will do, and I do recommend this, although there are many techniques for this, you want to have a password that you can remember, but you also want to have a password that can't be easily guessed with a brute force attack. So usually, what I'll do is I'll take two dictionary words, I'll separate them with a random punctuation character, and sometimes I'll mix the uppercase and lowercase, add other characters or numbers to it. Uh, The idea is to make something that you can remember, but not something that could easily be brute forced. If you and uh, sometimes uh, and I don't know about Roadrunner, but sometimes they have secret questions. Um, that uh, can also be used if you forgot your password to get your password um, i'm not sure how roadrunner does that but if they do have secret questions i don't ever use the real answers if they say mother mother's maiden name i say rambunctious or something i have a i make up a complete unrelated answer because somebody could figure out your mother's maiden name leo laporte the tech guy the tech guy Actually we uh, you know we do a security show security now on uh, my podcast network every Wednesday at 11am Pacific 2pm Eastern live.twit.tv. and uh, the guy who does it Steve Gibson who is both a security and a hard drive expert and old friend has said he has found a br- conceived of a brilliant new password creation technique that anybody can use to create secure passwords but he hasn't yet revealed that he's going to reveal it on wednesday so next week i'll tell you what it is my recommendation really the best thing to do with passwords passwords are um probably the single uh point of failure for most people's security system is is a weak password uh you know we all do this same thing we we have the same password use it on multiple sites uh that's a problem because many, many times now sites get hacked and your password gets released. And then all of a sudden the hacker, since it has a password, everything else, right? Or um, they're easily uh, guessable or brute forcible. Um, by which I mean that if it's a dictionary word, let's say your, your password is strawberry. Well, uh, it's very easy and fast for hackers to try every word in the dictionary. And strawberry, which is a common dictionary word, would be guessed within seconds, very quickly. Um, So that's not good. The best password is long and totally random. That's also the hardest to remember. And uh, what happens if you have a very difficult-to-remember password, and IT guys know this and gals, is that you will write it on a Post-it note and put it on your monitor. (laughs) That's worse than... An easy-to-guess password. You put it right on your monitor. Uh, So any bad guy who has access to your computer says, oh, there's the password. Remember in war games when Matthew Broderick was trying to find the password to the school grading system? And what did he do? He, he He went into the school office and he looked under the blotter and there it is. Or was it in the drawer? It was in the drawer. Because people couldn't remember the password, so they wrote it down and they put it in the drawer there. The best password is totally random and is not written down. It's hard to remember. So what do you do? Well, my recommendation is get a password program. My favorite is free. It's called LastPass, lastpass lastpass.com. Works on all operating systems, all smartphones. Uh, And what it will do is generate good passwords for you and remember them. And all you need to make LastPass work is one password that you can remember. That's your master password. It's what you use to unlock LastPass. And then from then on, LastPass, as you go to websites, will fill in the password. It also has secure notes and other things. So it's a good way to store this kind of private information and keep it locked down. Of course, you want to have a good master password. (laughs) But at least you only have to remember that one, and then you can have a fresh password for everything. That's hard, very hard for a bad guy to crack. So LastPass.com. Uh, there's other good programs, too. Robo Robo Form is great for Windows. Uh, one, uh, first, uh, is it 1Password? One 1Password one for uh, Macintosh. There are a lot of programs like this. There's an open-source one called KeePass that's also very good. K-E-E-P-A-S-S. But I do like LastPass. My my, my my favorite is LastPass.com. And for a buck a month, you can get the full Premiere features as well. 8888-ASK-LEO. Lots of calls. we got Patty in Santa Clara. She uh, she says she has simple needs. She wants to get a good laptop for sim- for a simple person. That we'll, we'll help her with that in just a second. Before we do though, I'd like to talk a little bit about my favorite little antivirus, the little antivirus that could from Nod Thirty Two, or I'm sorry, from ESET. It's called Nod Thirty Two, and it is just fantastic. People very frequently say, "Leo, what antivirus do you use? What antivirus do you recommend?" And for the last five years it's it's been nod 32 for windows now they've got one for the mac truth is for a long time i said you don't need one for the mac that has changed there are two very aggressive attacks on the mac mac defenders become a real problem <sighs> so i think the time has come it's kind of a coming of age for the mac it's uh it's a successful enough platform hackers know it well enough now to start attacking it so for uh, you mac users eset's got a solution as well they call it cyber security for the mac One of the things the Mac program does that I think is great, and I'm I'm hoping, I'm, I'm lobbying them to put this in the Windows program too, it has a whole educational component about safe behavior. You've heard me say how important that is, safe behavior. So on, and the Mac people, I think because we've, Mac people have never had to worry about viruses, especially Mac people need some education along those lines. So that's a really great thing. You can find ESET Cybersecurity for the Mac at Apple stores, of course, nationwide, also Micro Center and Fry's. Or you can try it for free if you go to eset.com slash Mac. If you're a Windows user, get Nod32. That's eset.com slash Leo. Or you can call 866-935-ESET. And don't forget to like them on Facebook, ESET USA. And you'll stay looped in on contests, special offers, and exclusive content. If you use Windows or Mac, you need ESET, eset.com slash Mac. ESET.com slash Leo for Windows. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Patty is on the line from uh, Santa Clara, California, listening to the great KGO in San Francisco. Hi, Patty. Hello. Welcome. A simple person with simple needs, eh?
5: I have very simple needs, and I have currently have a laptop that has everything under the sun on it. It's very heavy. Um, it's an HP Pavilion, and um, one of the Worst things is that, um, and I understand that they are known for this. Is that there's like 21 different vertical lines going through the monitor? Um, but
0: oh, that's not good. No, <laughs> but that's I think, probably fixable. It's probably just a bad cable in the lid. But uh, maybe, maybe you want to get a new laptop. That's what I'm, I'm guessing.
5: And and also, it's recently crashed, and we've tried to fix it, and it's just, it's not cooperating. So yeah, um, I just want something. I want um. PC I don't
0: Why why do you why are you so attached to Windows just out of curiosity?
5: Because that's all I've ever known. I'm too old to be learning something new. I really am not interested. <laughs>
0: okay. Cuz Windows is inherently much more complicated.
5: I know that's what everyone says, but you still have to learn something new. Well, and when you say
0: simple needs, what is it that you do? Is it surfing and email?
5: Basically, and sometimes I watch uh TV shows online that I've missed because I had was DVRing too many things on my TV, and, and
0: you ran out of space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you watch those on the websites or on Hulu? How do you watch those shows?
5: On the um, network websites.
0: Okay, you go to CBS.com or NBC.com.
5: And right. I don't Facebook. I don't do any of that. So, and I think my computer is infected, and. Uh, I hate to admit this, but apparently it didn't have McAfee on it. Much to my unbeknownst to Mac-
0: me, McAfee's junk. So I don't think you've lost anything by having Mac, not having McAfee. But you do need an antivirus. Here's what I would suggest: Windows Seven is very nice. I think you'll you'll like Windows Seven. A big improvement over. I'm sure you have XP. Mm-hmm. It'll be it's a big improvement over that. Um, there are some very nice lightweight uh, desktops. At well, you oh you want a notebook? Notebooks out there. Um Dell makes one but my favorite and I've been recommending this a lot lately is Lenovo. L E N O V O. They're the old IBM ThinkPads. Okay. Really uh nice keyboards, great screens. Windows 7 is simpler, I think. Um and I don't think I think you'll 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 find it a big improvement and I think they're very quality. You want a laptop, right? Yes. Yeah. I think you'll find them really excellent quality.
5: And how much money should I be I don't want to get taken at the, at the store either, so I want to know how much money I should be expecting to spend on something like this.
0: Well, first of all, I'd buy it online at Lenovo.com. Okay. Um, so there's, there's the list prices. You're A good laptop, you know, you can see laptops for 400 bucks. A good laptop is at least 800 bucks. Okay. And I would say the, the Lenovo that I would recommend to you, which is very lightweight, very nice, uh, tough screen made out of Gorilla Glass, a uh, beautiful keyboard is about a thousand bucks. It's the X1, okay. but it, but it, we're a little less than that. If it's a little less, there you have other choices. Dell. If you're if you if you are lesser, Dell Dell the a Dell Latitude would probably be a a good choice as well. D E L L dot com. Um, a Latitude. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that you'd be pretty pretty happy with a Dell laptop. And how do
5: those usually? How much do those usually cost?
0: Well, there's a wide range. They have the uh, the new XPS 15 Z is really a beautiful thin laptop. But uh, they have a wide range, you know, and depending on your price, and I I I I gather you don't want a big heavy clunker. No, you want you want something s- slim. The problem is, of course, they cost a little more. Smaller costs more. Uh, but Dell has some really excellent uh, laptops, and I think and uh, among among the best customer support out there. Although often uh, paying for the next level up the gold support is worth it if you need some support uh then you get a little bit better uh smarter people on the phone when you when you call them but at Lenovo, i think are my brands i do not recommend another hp frankly leo laporte the tech guy more calls to come right after this A Good day, to- Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, and we're talking about computers and the internet and cell phones and all sorts of stuff at 888-ASK-LEGO, 888-827-5536, toll-free from anywhere in the U.S., outside the U.S., you can use Skype out if you dare, Eight 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 ask Leo. let's get right back to the phones We've got so many calls and I I'm running out of time although I think today I'm going to keep going after the show is over we have another hour to go but afterwards I'll keep answering calls for another half hour 45 minutes so if you can't get through now keep trying and uh, we will get to every call on the board and then some uh, over the next hour and a half hour and 45 minutes Andrew is in Oceanside you're next Andrew Leo Laporte the tech guy oh hey Andrew
8: um, I had a question for you. I'm uh, I'm 17 years old. Uh, I'm going to be a senior next year in high school, and I'm looking for um, a laptop that will get me through next year and college. Um, I'm looking right now at the MacBook Pro 13 inch.
0: Yeah, that's an awesome laptop.
8: But I'm trying to decide if it's worth $300 to go to the two- to go to the, um, the i7. Or if the i5... No,
0: it's not. The big difference between the i5 and the i7 is, multi, um, is multi-threading is multi on the core. So uh, the i5, is, you know, has... Uh, is it two or four cores? It's two cores, isn't it? Or is it four cores on the i5? Two cores. Oh, two. So, yeah. So they hyper-thread the two cores to give you four threads on a two-core processor. Most of the time, you don't get any benefit from that. There are a few programs that would use would, could take advantage of that. Um, but most of the time I don't think you're going to get a huge advantage out of that. So it's, it's hyper-threading is the big difference in the i5 and the i7. Okay. So basically- Now, I would look at, you know, I bought Abby, my daughter, a uh, freshman in college last uh, this past year, bought her, did buy her exactly that, a 13-inch MacBook. Uh, and I think might have been better. It depends if, you know, she was carrying it around a lot, and I think when she came back this year, she said, you know, next time can I have an Air? <laughs> I said, yeah, I think an Air might actually... Be a better choice, because it's lighter. Uh, Processor speed uh, is really not going to be a huge issue, Andrew, unless you're... I mean, there's a a handful of things that need a lot of processor speed.
8: Right, right. Like
0: Photoshop or things like that, or video editing.
8: Um, But my major concern, I was actually looking at the Air. That was my original plan. But then as I looked into it and kind of researched it, what really kind of... uh, scared me slash turned me off about the macbook air is that everything looks like it's soldered onto the motherboard
0: yeah it's not upgradable the only thing you can upgrade it i actually upgraded my air you can't open it up and swap out the ssd and put a bigger one in yeah it's very easy to do it's really like a uh, kind of like a memory card you just slide it out and slot in a new one very easy to do okay so awesome. you, I wouldn't add memory. I'd would, I would get as much RAM. I would get four gigs of RAM, as much RAM as you need. Now I wouldn't get it today because I, the rumors are pretty strong that they're going to upgrade the Airs. There may be an i5 Air soon. Oh, really? And if there is, I would say that's that. That's what you should get.
8: Then this th- that falls perfectly into my second question, which um, I have I've heard that uh, especially on Mac that um you can save a lot of money and it's actually in your benefit to buy from their refurbished store.
0: That's true although you're going to save money as a student you you may save even more by buying through the college bookstore. Okay. Well actually well since you're since you're uh, not, not you're a junior now and a senior next year you won't have that opportunity until you're uh, a matriculating college freshman. So that may, that may not be that may be too far in the future for you. I mean, um, I, I've checked... They do have a student... They have a student deal for high school students, too. I think it's 10%. Yeah. yeah.
8: But um, I, was, I wasn't I was sure if there was... Uh, if that was... I mean, I've never really been comfortable buying refurbished products or that kind of stuff. I wasn't sure...
0: Now, the refurbished products, if you get them from Apple, are fine. Because what it really... In, in this case, if you're buying it from the manufacturer... Usually what it means is it was something that was sold, the box was opened, and returned immediately. And you and California state law, and as a result, the rest of the country, you can't sell that opened box as new. Right, right. They have to sell it as used. So that's mostly what's in the refurb store, the outlet store, is stuff that was never really used. It was just opened. All right. So you get the full, you get the full uh, warranty. You don't get a huge discount. You might get a couple hundred bucks discount. That's why I said the student discount might be as good as, if not better. Um,
8: I think the difference. I've kind of priced it out. The difference between the refurb price for the uh, the thirteen inch MacBook Pro and the student is like thirty five dollars. Yeah. Which you know, for that price, it might as well. You know, thirty five bucks is well worth.
0: Get the it. new one. <laughs> I would get the new one just because then you know you don't have any problems. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm impressed, Andrew. You're putting a lot of thought into this. This is great.
8: It's I put a lot of, you know, whenever I do any big purchase, you know, I just bought that's, a, that's right. a digital camera, like a DSLR a year ago. And it's like whenever I do anything like this, you know, CNET, you know, read laptop. the
0: reviews. It's it's kind of fun, too. I mean, it, it, it's fun to shop.
8: You know, then not only doing that, but going on and, you know, comparing Amazon, Newegg, all the different. Right. <laughs> One thing
0: about Apple, you don't get much of a discount by buying it from somebody else. Apple because very, keeps a very tight control over their, uh, over their prices.
8: About going, especially from like, I'm, I'm a PC user right now. And going to, you know, even just going to like the, like the Apple store and like Intimidus and that kind of stuff. I was really shocked at like how it like clamped down and fixed all the prices are.
0: Oh, yeah. They control it very tightly
8: because I mean my whole family has lenovos uh, and well, that's what
0: happens when there's no competition yeah, that's why i'm a big I'm a big promoter of competition. it uh, keeps prices down, keeps innovation up, but only one company makes max, so they set the price, and that's why truthfully that's the reason why max cost about you know fifty to a hundred percent more than a, the comparable p c Uh, You know, they use good components. You're getting better service. They bundle the price of service into the computer. They can because there's no competition. And uh, PC manufacturers, there's such a race between PC manufacturers that they get the price as low as they can. And one way they do that is by effectively unbundling support. They give you very poor support unless you pay extra for it.
8: Yeah. My kind of follow-up question about buying the laptop and everything is I've kind of heard rumors that the new, like, Lion is coming out. And I was thinking, yes. possibly waiting. Does that make sense?
0: Or- I don't. I would not wait for a new operating system on the Mac in the same way that you might wait for a new operating system on Windows. Most of the time, people on Windows get a new operating system by getting a new computer. You usually don't upgrade your operating system. It's quite the opposite on the Mac. The last operating system upgrade Apple offered, Snow Leopard, was thirty dollars, and the upgrade is fairly simple and straightforward. And and, and you know, you do it in place. So it's not quite the same in the Apple world. In the Apple world, when the new OS comes out, most everybody gets it. And they, in in most cases, don't get new hardware to go with it. So I wouldn't wait for Lion. Now, I would wait as long as you can. It's the summertime. You don't need a new computer right now. If you can wait to the fall, I think that's probably a good idea. Lion will be out by then, I think. I do think that, you know, Apple is pretty consistent in upgrading their hardware. They never give you a price cut. What they do is they give you more for the same price. And I would expect new... They just upgraded the laptops, but I would expect new MacBook Airs before the end of the summer. Oh, yeah. So if it's, a, if it's an Air you're interested in, I'd wait. I do like the Air because it's so light and it, it, easy to carry to class and so forth. It doesn't have a lot of storage, but for a student, that's not necessarily bad because you'll be using the campus network to store stuff. Um, you, you may have external hard drives in your room. I, I, we will know a lot more. WWDC, the Apple Developer Conference, is just a couple of weeks away. We'll know a lot more uh, then I think they'll announce dates for a lot of this stuff. They may even announce new hardware at WWDC.
8: That was, that was another question I was going to oh, just popped into my head. Is, you know One of the things that, that people talk about with the, the MacBook Air is that you know, now, now it has the flash memory.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that because I think that's an interesting topic. Next, Leo Laporte, The Tech Guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888 Ask Leo. We were talking about buying a new laptop, and one of the questions a lot of people are coming up with these days is about the hard drive in a laptop. Turns out that the speed of your computer isn't really so much how fast the processor is. We focus on that, don't we? How many megahertz or gigahertz a processor is what generation of intel chip it is but uh i kind of had my eyes open when i bought a macbook air which has an older core 2 duo in it running at 1.6 gigahertz it's a very slow old chip and yet the macbook air feels very fast it's kind of puzzling but this is a slow chip why is it so fast well because instead of a spinning hard drive in it, it has a solid-state drive made out of the same materials, you know, that you use for your memory and your camera or your USB keys. And uh, these solid-state drives are very fast, much, much faster than a spinning drive. And, it, and it, it turns out that the speed with which the operating system boots up, the speed with which it loads applications and re- reads data, it, it is really a big part of the overall speed of the computer. It really feels snappier. Because our chips are so fast that the, nowadays, sp- even the slow chips are spending a lot of time waiting for the hard drive. So I do like having a solid-state drive in a computer these days, and I think it's a it's a great way to get a lot more performance out of your computer, desktop or laptop. The problem with solid-state drives is they're more expensive per gigabyte. They're, they're, they tend to be smaller. MacBook Air comes with a 64-gig drive. Most laptops now have 500 gigs. Um, But, you know, most operating systems uh, can live in 64 gigs. I mean, with the MacBook Air and an operating system and a reasonable number of applications, I have 20 or 30 gigs free. That means I can't put my whole music collection on there and my photo collection, but uh, it's enough for documents. So you have to rethink how you use storage. Maybe you uh, use uh, the cloud or maybe you use an external drive to store those really big files. That's what I do for my photos. I just keep them on an external drive. Um and I said, I don't need them all the time. So uh I I I do think that for a student, the lightweight MacBook Air is a very good choice uh because it is you know easy to carry around and it's pretty snappy. It's very snappy, even with an older, slower processor. Eighty eight eighty eight Ask Leo, that's the phone number. Carl is in Vallejo, our next caller. Hi Carl, Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
5: I I have a pretty interesting question that should prove entertaining. Hopefully, <laughs> okay, Carl. <laughs> um, I'm pretty much the go-to guy for everyone in my family. You know, I do all of their tech support and make their computers faster. But um, every uh, all of all of the computers that I've worked on, I'm always puzzled by how big I should make a paging file in relation to, you know, the archetype of the
0: op- right. And the amount we, used to, we used to say 1.5 times the RAM, but now RAM has gotten so big. I don't know if that even is a good rule of thumb. The, the real rule of thumb, if you're using Windows 7 for sure, even Windows XP or Windows Vista, is I would let the operating system choose, unless you have a compelling reason to do otherwise. The operating system does a very good job. What is the paging file? We used to call it the swap file. It's a, a, a large file that's used uh, on the computer in case you run out of memory, basically. It's always used a little bit, but the real point of it is, if you run out of RAM, if you've used up all the RAM on your system, uh, rather than just fail by crashing or, or exiting out, the computer starts to use a hard drive space as if it were RAM. Now, that's much slower than a RAM, but it's a, it's a better thing to do than crashing. Yeah. So if you're using swap file, you really it means you're, you're you've really slowed your system down. It's not ideal. You don't want to be using swap file. It's it's kind of a, it's kind of a last resort. But all operating systems do it. Um, generally speaking, I let the operating system choose how much space to reserve for the swap file or the page file, as they may call it.
5: So, I've heard that it's better if you put if you use a bigger paging file on a different partition. Or a different That's
0: true, uh, and I used to do that as well. These are all finesses that we come from the old days of computing. Um, I would I would make it the first partition, and uh, just big enough to hold the size of the page file. Here's why I don't worry about it anymore. How much RAM is in your computer these days? Six gigabytes in mine. Yeah, you're not going to need a page file to use up all six gigabytes. Is highly unlikely. <laughs> if you look at how often that page file is used, you'll see it's 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 hit. The operating system, for some reason, I'm not sure why. Windows does use the page file you can't just delete it but it doesn't use it for paging it doesn't use it for the main purpose of the file it's just checking in with it or something I don't know what it's doing and it doesn't use very much of it uh, I, I, I I let it expand it as needed I let it set it uh, you know to its own size and I just leave it where it is because it shouldn't be used with six gig remember this whole idea of a page file comes from the days we had two megabytes of RAM four megabytes of RAM. We now have so much RAM that it's almost impossible to use it all up. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's why we have it. That's why you don't want to delete it, because what you don't want is a crash if you do happen to use it up. But modern operating systems do such a good job of managing RAM. We have so much RAM anyway that I just don't think it's uh, it's worth spending a lot of energy on the size of the page file or where it lives. That was a finesse we used to... We used to recommend, I used to recommend it. I'd say, well, the first thing, you know, here's the partitioning scheme when you have a new operating system. First, you partition, you make a small page file partition, and that should be 1.5 times the amount of RAM you have. (laughs) So I guess it'd be, what, it'd be nine gigs, right? Uh, I think the smallest you can make anyway is probably that size. So you make a 10 gig, let's say 10 gig partition, you call it, and you say, this is where the page file is going to live. The reason to do that is so it does, it's on the inside of the drive, the fastest part of the drive, and so it doesn't get fragmented. Then I make another partition for the temp files because I don't want them to fragment the rest of the drive. Then I make a partition for the operating system, the C drive. Then I make a partition for the data, the D drive. Maybe you'd make a partition for media files, an M drive. It's a lot of work for nothing. <laughs> I don't think you get any advantage. I do think it's still probably a good idea to separate the operating system and the data just so that when you do a reinstall of the operating system, you don't overwrite your data. So it's probably not a bad idea to have a C and a D drive, whether it's a single drive that's divided in two or two separate drives on a computer. But uh, in my opinion, at this point, these are finesses. Modern operating systems, Windows 7, for instance, takes care of all this, does it transparently, does it well. There's there's really no need to, 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 to stress over this. Rebecca in South Pasadena, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Rebecca.
1: Leo! I'm so happy. Hey! Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh,
0: I'm your only hope. You are.
1: <laughs> okay, I am Wi-Fi challenged, big time. And I really want to get Wi-Fi in my place. I first tried a Belkin router, and it would, well, it would change all my settings on my Mac to DHCP, and it would kick me off the internet. And because um, I'm with DSL Extreme and they connect with PPPoE, so that didn't work. And then, and then I thought, well, maybe it's just an incompatibility between the PPPoE and those kinds of routers.
0: No, the way to do this really is—it's great to have a router. Yeah, uh, the router can be set to use PPPoE, so it will be given your login credentials for your DSL provider, your password, your name, yeah, it was- and it does—it does all that and then uses DHCP to connect to the other computers on your network.
1: Oh, okay. Well, now I'm trying an Airport Extreme.
0: Well, hold on, and I'll help you with that, too. This is all doable. Not going to be a problem. Portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider DSL Extreme for high speed internet at an amazing price. Call eight six six the number two, getnet to get DSL Extreme. Rebecca, speaking of DSL Extreme, is on the line from South Pasadena. She's setting up her uh, DSL Extreme with uh, Wi Fi. Now, Rebecca, did your DSL Extreme uh, setup? It came with a DSL modem. Did it also come with a DSL router or no? Uh oh, I got to push the button. Sorry, Rebecca. There you go. Uh Oh, she's still there? Did I lose her? One more time. Hi, Rebecca. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our fault. Louise and I were fighting over you. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> my life. <laughs> um Um Did your DSL Extreme router or modem come with a router?
1: No, it. Uh, I've had DSL Extreme now for about eight years. It's an it's a Westel wire speed. Yeah,
0: oh, you have the old modem.
1: Now I called DSL Extreme, and the guy I spoke to, and I I got somebody who didn't pronounce English very well. So I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, I think they've
0: moved their uh, support. I'm sad to say, uh, offshore. That's
1: what I suspected when I talked to yeah. him. Yeah, and um, he just read some things. It's not our modem. Contact you know your router company. Oh
0: boy, it's an old. The problem is so DSL Extreme. Uh, a couple of years ago, got sold to another bigger company. I think that bigger company uh, decided to offshore their support. And unfortunately, I th- have a feeling that they don't know, since you've been a customer for so long, what they were using eight years ago.
1: The guy tried to look it up, and he couldn't He couldn't find it because I said, surely you have a list of compatible, if there is a compatible list of, of routers. I think so. And he, he put me on hold, and he looked, but he came back to the same thing he was reading, that, well... Right. I think it is
0: the
1: Refer to this, you know, and yeah.
5: router
1: company. And um, <sighs> I mean, should I call Sad. him and ask? Him to do modem. Well,
0: next time I guess has to be escalated. But um, yeah, tell you what, if you send me an email,
1: yeah,
0: leo at techguylabs.com, dot com, uh, we will forward your information. Just send me, just send me an email saying saying what happened, and I'll forward it to the U.S. guys.
1: Okay, and
0: uh, George, 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 will, George will know. <laughs> He'll say, oh yeah, yeah. However, here's the deal. I mean, even, well, for one thing, I think you might, I'm not sure, it might be worth getting a, a new modem just because it's so old. It might be that they've up, that they're better now. However, that's not your issue. Yeah. What you, the way it works is that your router, You know, when you, when you get DSL, um, often you'll get a disk with software in it that you install on your computer and that tells the computer to dial out the PPOE, uh dial out. but the better way to do it, and for years I've recommended this, is not to install any software on your computer at all, mm-hmm. uh, but to use your router to do the PPPOE connection. And so when you go into your router setup, whether it's an Airport Express or Extreme or whatever, yeah. uh, you should be able to choose PPPOE as one of the connection methods.
1: Well, you know, the, the Belkin router had a ton of things to choose, almost too much. It was a took me two hours to get through their little cd setup thing yeah this one doesn't the airport extreme just says you're installed kind of thing you're done and doesn't really give me choices to say unless i go into my preferences maybe and try to do it
0: well they have two setups on the airport one is kind of an automated setup and then there's a manual setup you need to go in the manual setup
1: okay so you're and uh, is the setup still the same if i understand it the way at least i've set it up according to the instructions it goes you know the connection to my dsl goes through the dsl modem then through the router then to my computer
0: that's right and the router should have the pppoe information in it so that it can log on i'm i you know i i have a feeling that dsl extreme doesn't even use pppoe anymore
1: well they did when i called when i was trying to set up the belkin router that was they enough- did Thing, thing they didn't seem to know at first. The one guy said, "Well, DHCP is the way everybody connects," and I said, "Well, see,
0: yeah." So here's the deal: they're right. So what happens is,
1: but the second guy I talked to said, "Well, wait a second. You can't use DHCP settings because we use PPPoE."
0: Okay, yeah. I think you you know most most modem uh, DSL modem companies did or DSL uh, internet service providers did use PPPoE, uh, and uh, you know I just don't know what they use currently. I should check. I actually have DSL Extreme on this computer.
1: I've talked to in the meantime, says that everybody, most people and most routers want to connect using DHCP. It's a dynamic... So,
0: well, understand what's going on with DHCP. So, you have two things that you need to do. One is the router needs to get online with DSL Extreme. That will be PPPoE. Once the router has an internet connection, now what it does to your computers is Dynamic Host Configuration Protocol, or DHCP. In other words... Okay. it takes its internet connection and splits it up among your computers using dhcp so your computers should be set up to use dhcp in other words to tell the computer tells the router i don't know who i don't know what internet address to use you tell me and the router will then assign addresses with the 10.0.1.x okay address those are internal addresses provided to your computers by the router route. the router is the only thing the, whether the Belkin or the airport is the only thing that talks to DSL Extreme, it needs to use whatever DSL Extreme wants to use. So there's two things going on. Both both are correct.
1: Right. Um, I I mean I get it. I what's happening is if I plug the airport, if I
0: put- see I'm using I'm just looking at my connection to DSL Extreme. Now I have business class DSL Extreme, but I'm using DHCP. Well. So I suspect DSL Extreme uses both. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, see, well, and then uh, when I did set up everything set up with the router, then my computer doesn't see my Wi-Fi device when I try to set, you know, choose it. And
0: Right. So what you want to do is you want to go into the manual, you know, the airport setup utility. Okay. Go into the manual part of it, and you will set up PPPoE, which means you will give it your DSL Extreme login and password. You still have that, right? Yes, I do. That's the that sets it up. That means now the router is as if the router is a computer calling DSL Extreme. It does all the handshaking. This is by the way the best way to do it. Okay. Then your computers on the network, they don't know about PPPOE. They don't have to. They just use the standard DHCP to get their address from the router. Okay. So you go to manual setup, internet internet connection, connect using PPPOE. That's on your Airport. That does that.
1: Okay. And then I go to the computer and my preferences and set it to let them let
0: DHCP. The you you it, usually the default is all you have to do cuz it's going to get all the settings it needs from the router. All right. <laughs> can- I know it's so confusing. It shouldn't have to be this complicated.
1: It was going to be completely plug and play. And so and it,
0: it is with the one exception that you have to set up PPPOE on the router.
1: Right. Okay. Well,
0: that's I'm, the that's the one exception, and all routers will do it. You just have to figure out where in the setup it exists.
1: I see. All right. Well, I will try this.
0: <laughs> you can always Google Airport or airport You have an Express now.
1: Extreme now. Airport. You're
0: gonna go Airport Extreme yeah. PPPoE on the Google. Okay. And I bet I'm gonna do it right now. I bet you they'll give, give you a, know, I how. Yeah. Print. Yeah.
1: Wouldn't go and wouldn't respond to new drivers, and we went. I, I have a friend of mine who helps me with my Mac, and he, we Googled, and we actually got like a, a reset method that we yeah. put on these sites. The Google
0: is a, the Google is great.
1: Yeah, and it was it was as simple as clicking on the right site, and then we went through yep. weird. It was it was like a spell, you know. You push this button. It is. It's
0: an incantation.
1: Yeah, it was like an incantation, and then. it's... <laughs> It was a fine, and it was the weirdest thing it reset the little printer, you know,
0: yeah,
1: anyway, so I don't know tell I...
0: anybody I'll be out of work
1: <laughs> that's what he he's like he's like, well, now you're a computer tech, you know,
0: yeah, that's all anybody ever does.
1: he says that's all I do,
0: <laughs> just Google it. Uh, don't tell anybody that because otherwise I'm not going to be able to work anymore.
1: <laughs> well, then you have to know which site to pick, though because you might go, ah. Finding the right one, right?
0: You do. You have to know exactly what search to use and what site to use and all yeah.
1: that stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I, I think there I... There is
0: also uh, on DSLExtreme.com a support knowledge base article on doing this on the Mac that tells about the whole thing. It's a tab, by the way, PPPOE. I'll put a link to that in the show notes at TechGuyLabs.com. Laporte, the tech guy. I'm going to give you the number because I'm going to keep going. The show We're in the last segment of the last hour of this week's show. But uh, we're going to tape ahead. I'm going to Foo Camp, Friends of O'Reilly Camp, uh, in a couple of weeks. And we're going to tape ahead for that show. So I'll keep answering calls for another 45 minutes or an hour at 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536. I mentioned uh, right before the break the website. It's techguylabs.com. Dot com. I should tell you that more often because the phone number's there. There's a link to our great chat room there. Um, the video, everything, the previous shows, show notes, it's all there. TechGuyLabs.com. TechGuyLabs.com. And that's where we'll put the a link to information. I think DSL Extreme has some support notes uh, on there about how to configure your Apple router to work with their DSL Extreme modem. I think so, anyway. Might be kind of old. Kevin, Toronto. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Mr. Leo Laporte. Mr. Kevin. How are you? Very well. How's things in Toronto? My favorite, uh, one of my favorite cities.
6: It's another beautiful, gloomy day here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Used to go there every, uh, every month for a week to do a show called Call for Help.
6: Like we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: you know, it's funny. They never aired that show in the States. It was only, it was on Canadian TV for four years. Actually, I think they're still running those shows. But they never got it on in the U.S. Yeah. In the middle of the night. Me and Amber MacArthur. There
2: you go. So what can I do for um, you? I got
3: a question here for um, my son. Just sprung a question on me saying that he wanted to do um, photography. Now he wanted that digital SLR.
0: Great. Now, how old is your son? He's 14. I think that's a great time to become a photographer. Uh, it's a wonderful hobby, a wonderful f- art form. Um, mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Uh, a digital SLR, uh, I would suggest for a starter, the Canon uh, T-series. Okay. Probably the T2i. We're talking about five or 600 bucks now. They're expensive. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but when he gets started with the T2I, these are the rebels. Uh, he'll kind of this is their flagship kind of entry level uh, DSLR. He'll create a great, you know, he'll be getting a great camera system that can take wonderful pictures. And then when he invests in lenses, you know, those that investment um, is uh, still good down the road, you know, because he can get a new body, upgrade the body. Retail price on the T2I with the eighteen to fifty five millimeter uh, lens, which is a very good starter lens, is eight hundred. That means you'll be able to find it on the street. For about six hundred bucks,
6: perfect.
0: So yeah, actually, that's U.S. I don't know what they're gonna, how they're gonna kill you in Canada.
6: It's right, so another hundred
3: and fifty bucks, more or
0: less. Yeah, they just really the exchange rates are terrible. You should come and come down here and buy it.
3: Yeah, I'm planning on to anyways for that. That would be great. Good,
0: perfect. I think this is great. I, 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 I am I, uh, thrilled that you want to support him in doing this. It's a great hobby for a fourteen year old. Uh, this is a good time to get start developing his eye and so forth.
3: I was about to say he's six feet and he's 14. There's not much I could
0: do. <laughs> he gets whatever he wants. Yeah, my son's 16 and he's, he's starting to get taller than me. It's a little scary when that happens. <laughs> Kevin, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Get, and get ready. Get him, get, a, get him to get a job in a year or two because that's just the beginning. Now he's going to want flashes and lights and tripods and more lenses and, and all of that stuff. This hobby can explode. But the thing I would really emphasize, especially for people just starting out, it isn't about all the gear. It's about taking what you've got. And this is a very good starting point. If you want to get them a great camera, this is a great starting point. It's it's what, taking what you've got and taking the pictures, getting out there, taking as many pictures as you can, really get working on getting better. Put those pictures on Flickr or uh, another photo sharing site. Get comments, crit- critiques from uh, other people. Show them to people. Really work on your technique and your skill and it's not about having all the latest greatest things you know that's not what makes that's not what makes you a great photographer it's developing your eye. In fact, sometimes you know maybe the kit lens which that's a pretty good lens the 18 to55 but um, sometimes not even having a zoom like that, but having a, a fixed lens of say a 50 millimeter fixed lens on this camera that would be I think a 35 millimeter uh, and just making that work just you know that's that's the thing is you get get out there and take pictures that's what matters not not having the latest greatest equipment and gear i say that having as somebody who spends money on the latest greatest equipment and gear i really, I, I should listen to my own preaching hey we're going to take a little break come back we have gary on the line from seminole florida I guess the power is not very good there. He needs to know if a generator will work. And uh, I have some suggestions there. And Michael if, we, Michael, if we have time, Long Beach, California, with an Acer laptop, wants to see if he can increase his RAM. And as I said, we'll continue to take calls right through another 45 minutes from now at least. So keep the phones ringing, 8888-ASK-LEO, and I'll get to every single person who's uh, on the line. Before we do any more, though, I do want to talk about Carbonite.com. Before I leave the airwaves today, I've got to remind you to back up. Sunday's backup day. Of course, if you're using Carbonite, I don't have to remind you because Carbonite is online backup that's automatic. If you go to Carbonite.com, use the offer code Leo. You don't need a credit card. You get two weeks free, and you see it then, and then you're off the hook. I don't have to remind you. Whenever you're online, your computer's automatically backing up your personal data. It's less than five bucks a month for all the personal data on your internal drives. That's you know unlimited. And uh, that data is there anytime you need it, whether you have a disaster or not. You don't have to wait for your hard drive to crash, your computer to get destroyed, to access your backup. It's really online storage. It's available to you anywhere. You just log on to your Carbonite account on a Mac or a PC, and there's your stuff. They have a uh, iPhone app, an Android app, a BlackBerry app, too. It's all free. Carbonite.com. Two weeks free if you use my name, Leo. You don't even need a credit card. If you decide you want to buy, use my name again, and you'll get 14 months for the price of 12 Fifty-five. Uh, I'm sorry, fifty-nine dollars a year for unlimited back. Uh, Carbonite's just great. It really is. It's it's a critical part of your disaster planning. I don't. You know, you don't. You don't. Disaster may never happen to you, but if you don't plan for it, it will for sure happen to you. <laughs> Carbonite.com, offer code Leo. You got to back it up to get it back. So do it right with Carbonite. Gary Seminole, Florida, Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
3: Hi, Gary. How you doing there, Leo? Fantastic. What can I do for you today? Uh, miss you guys, uh, Kate and Chris and Kat and the whole rest of them there.
0: Oh, man, from the old tech TV days.
3: You guys ever think of doing a reunion?
0: We ought to, really ought to. You know, uh, May 11th was the 13th anniversary of the launching of tech TV, and I, we keep meaning to have a party on one of these anniversaries, but uh, have yet to do so. We stay in touch, though. That's what Facebook's for, right? Set up together. Well, I'm building a pretty nice little studio. I'm hoping I can get a lot of these folks to come uh, visit me when the new studio opens. We'll have a big party then.
3: Oh, great, great. Okay, my situation. Um, I jumped off the grid here. It's Well, we have kind of bad power anyway. It's typical Florida. Uh, but I went off the grid, and I'm looking to go solar. But right now I'm doing, I guess you could call it the Rube Goldberg method, of just uh, running batteries with inverters and backup. I do have a generator to charge the batteries.
0: Uh, Here's what I would absolutely do for any of your uh, electronic equipment, and this includes, by the way, if you have an HDTV, uh, Blu-ray player, but certainly computers and all of that stuff. You want to get a, um, a UPS, an uninterruptible power supply. It's going to have two advantages to you. First of all, if the power fails, it's going to give you 5 or 10 or 15 minutes to shut everything down. It won't let you keep running, but it'll at least give you some time to shut it down properly. The worst thing that can happen is to have a crash, power go out right in the middle of a hard drive, right, you can actually destroy the whole hard drive. The other thing it'll do is it protect you against surges. A lot of times when the power goes out or if you've got a generator, you don't have consistent power. A good UPS conditions the power. You want one that runs through the battery. There's two different kinds. A more expensive UPS You're running through the battery. A less expensive UPS, you're running direct to the grid, and when the grid fails, there's a a split second where it fails over to the battery. That's not what you want. If you run through the battery, you're going to have better conditioning. Um, I use APC gear. I like it, APCC. Uh, Another great company is Triplight. And you're going to get enough. They have a little calculator on the APC site for how big a UPS to get, depending on how much you're running off of it. I really think this is very important if you're on an inconsistent power.
3: Yeah, I have a dual uh, process, nothing spectacular, but there's about 500 watts of stuff sitting in that. Uh, dual yeah. yeah, you can
0: get. Yeah, you can get a, You can get enough for to, to keep that 500 watts going for five or ten minutes, just enough for you to shut down.
3: Okay. Well, the thing is, running the generator, like I'll be doing that possibly during the day, so I'll drive my neighbors crazy until they get on the on board. For going green here because our power is just constantly going up over in this area. Uh, but looking at maybe just running this stuff off of the, uh, the battery backup at night or during the day, the generators.
0: Yeah, a UPS that will keep it running is expensive. But you can have—you've already got battery arrays, so I'd use your battery arrays and the UPS just to condition the power. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, keep those calls coming.